The following program is being brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. For this episode, we are talking about the environmental voting record of U.S. Senator Scott Brown. This episode is titled, How Green is Brown? With me is Eric Blasbaugh, Acting Executive Director of the Massachusetts League of Environmental Voters. Also starting, also uh, in this episode with me is Ben Wright, Advocate for Environment Massachusetts. Welcome, Ben. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. We're going to start with the Massachusetts League of Environmental Voters. It's a 501c4 political advocacy organization, and they hold state and MLAB holds state legislators accountable for their vote on environmental issues. The Massachusetts League of Environmental Voters tracks the voting records of legislators so their constituents know where they stand on key environmental issues. The scorecard is a tool that you can use to distinguish between those legislators who vote to protect our quality of life and those who offer empty promises. Eric, how did State Senator Scott Brown, he was a state senator for years before he went to, the, to Washington, D.C. How did he measure up on, according to MLEV's environmental scorecards? Uh, well, Rob, thank you very much. Uh, senator Scott Brown actually did pretty well on the uh, MLEV scorecards. Uh, in the 2006 uh, scorecard, he uh, received a score of 61, which was the top of uh, the Republican delegation. And in the uh, 2008 scorecard, he received a score of 82, which is uh, above average for the rest of the Senate. Uh, he had actually been uh, pretty good on a lot of the environmental issues, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was good to have a Republican like him that, that believed in the state Senate that environment was an important priority. Uh, ben, what was your experience uh, as advocate for Environment Massachusetts working with uh, State Senator Brown? Well, my experience in the limited few interactions that I did have with Senator Brown while he was in the state Senate was that he was indeed somebody who was a supporter of some of our most important environmental initiatives, uh, including a lot of the climate and energy initiatives that we worked on. So, for instance, Senator Brown was supportive of the Green Communities Act, which is the Massachusetts, which is Massachusetts' landmark renewable energy standard and does a lot of great stuff for energy efficiency in the Commonwealth. And then also the senator was supportive of the Global Warming Solutions Act, which um, is our cap on uh, global warming pollution here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So my experience was that the senator acknowledged, um, acknowledged some of the environmental problems that the state and the country face and actually, you know, did some stuff to act on them. Uh, if people want to know more about the MLEV scorecard, uh, they can go to MLEV.org. That's their Mass League Environmental Voters website where the scorecards are posted for the different years. Uh, ben, you were mentioning um, climate uh, legislation, and the, uh, a big issue here in uh, Massachusetts and in New England and the Northeast was uh, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, uh, the REGI program. And how did you find that Brown was with that? Well, Senator Brown voted for, as I said just before, the Green Communities Act, which was the act that not only helped 
to reauthorize the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, but also ensured that all of the um, it ensured that the auction was done right. So it ensured that polluters would be paying for their pollution, and that the money that was collected from setting a regional price on carbon would go towards good energy efficiency and renewable energy projects. So the experience was that Senator Brown with his colleagues in the Massachusetts Senate voted to support a cap on carbon pollution and a system to put the money collected from that cap and from the cap and trade system into improving energy efficiency and renewable energy in the Commonwealth. Yeah, that was a very progressive program that people outside the region may not fully understand that, you know, how progressive it was. But I understand that uh, through the Reggie program, something on the order of uh, $20 million or something was uh, directed to Massachusetts to reinvest in uh, green approaches or something? That sounds correct. I could, um, you know, I'd have to go back and check. And, the, you know, the point is that every quarter when they hold a new auction for the permits, more money is going into programs like the Massachusetts Green Communities Program, which is helping communities across the Commonwealth um, uh, improve their vehicle fleets, reduce their energy consumption, and actually build buildings that are 30% more energy efficient, which then saves the consumers money there. So from our local perspective, the fact that climate change legislation did so poorly nationally, nationally has enabled us to keep this Reggie program run, running? Well, the Reggie program would always have been, you know, obviously the goal is because, you know, the end, the end goal is we want to avoid the worst effects of global warming. So the Reggie program was in a lot of ways designed to be scaled up nationally. But since we're sitting where we are sitting right now with a regional program, yes, I would say that most of the... Um, of the good investment in energy efficiency and renewable energy that's happening across the country is happening here in um, Massachusetts and the other nine New England and Mid-Atlantic states that are part of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. So we we are ahead of the curve because of the leadership that Senator Brown and his colleagues in the Massachusetts state legislature took on uh, clean energy and stopping uh, climate change policies. Yes, I've heard from environmental entrepreneurs that they like this Reggie legislation because it makes more clear and more predictable what the expenses are going to be moving forward so they're able to invest appropriately. That sounds exactly right and definitely one of the benefits of the program. Uh, uh, before we uh, take this break, um, uh, Eric, do you want to uh, summarize... Um, Senator, State Senator Brown's work on environmental issues. Uh, I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he would, had always been approachable and, uh, and amenable to doing environmental things. Uh, in in general, his seat has been a Republican seat, but one that has been pro pro environmental. Uh, from the state rep seat, which uh, which Dan Winslow, who is an M11 endorsee, now holds, and has been a co-sponsor of legislation, to Richard Ross, another M11 endorsee and uh, Republican leader on uh, environmental mm. issues uh and it, it, it's 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 been sad to see him uh pivot as he's become a national senator and and take these anti-environmental stances which hurt our our, our commonwealth children and uh, hurt our interests so we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to learn about uh some changes that uh the senator seems to have gone into sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. All together now, all together now. 
Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about how green is brown, the U.S. Senator and uh, from Massachusetts, on April 13th, the Boston Globe wrote, As a state senator in Massachusetts, Scott Brown voted for a regional pact to ratchet down power companies' carbon dioxide emissions. But, as a U.S. senator in Washington, Brown last week voted to strip the Environmental Protection Agency of the authority to regulate any greenhouse gases. This is not the first time Brown has done a Jekyll Hyde switch between Beacon Hill and Capitol Hill. In 2006, he voted for Mitt Romney's health care plan for Massachusetts, only to oppose the national version of it in 2010. But the turnaround on greenhouse gases is especially disappointing to any Massachusetts voters who thought they saw in Brown a conservative on fiscal issues who was also a conservationist when it comes to protecting the environment. So it was quite a surprise. Eric, tell us about what you're seeing as a Jekyll and Hyde change when Scott Brown became U.S. Senator. Belief in uh, in climate change is at a high number. I don't have the number right ahead of me, but I think it was 77%. Uh, in in the Commonwealth, believe that global warming was a was a serious problem, um, and that something needed to be done about it. Uh, and I think I think it's galling that he that he 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 has departed from a position that he held as a state senator, uh, and at once he became a national senator, uh, he he's, he's abandoned his his Commonwealth. Yes, and the McConnell amendment was not the only thing, right, Ben? Did you notice some other uh, votes of the Scott Brown? 
Yes, yeah, Senator Brown also voted for the Senate's version of um, the House passed budget, which would have um, which would have eviscerated the EPA's capacity to do things like, you know, regulate mercury, arsenic, and lead and other um, heavy pollutants. Then he also voted for um, Senator the Democratic Senator Jay Rockefeller's amendment that would have stopped the EPA from working on new regulations uh, regarding greenhouse gases for the next two years. Um, so he has a long track record of voting against clean air and the public health. And, you know, now we should give him credit. He has attempted to work on a couple of bills that would do some good things for energy efficiency. Um, but even those, when you any bill that he's written that works on energy efficiency, so I'm citing, for instance, the one that he came out with about three weeks ago, and um, he's still also putting into those bills things like expanded and increased offshore oil drilling, expanding loan guarantees for nuclear power. So even when Senator Brown is looking to do something pro-environment, he still has a lot of, you know, still relying a lot on the dirty and dangerous energy sources that were so prevalent last century and that we can't have moving forward if we actually want to continue to protect our public health. Yes, the, the H.R. 1 roll call vote on March 9th, you know, Brown voted against, or he voted for legislation that would have gutted the Clean Air Act, and it would have, um, you know, it would have blocked the EPA's authority to keep 16,000 tons of mercury emitted each year by cement plants out of the air. And it, you know, it, he uh, did not limit uh, the emissions of soot and other carbon particulates, which is a big problem uh, where we have coal-fired power plants like in Salem, Massachusetts. You can't hang your laundry out because the soot raining down from the power plant, uh, never mind the, some of the health effects. Um, he, you know, prevented the setting of minimum standards for the disposal of coal ash which, as you know, contains arsenic, lead, and other toxics. Uh, so the uh, League of uh, Women Voters stood up and did something about this. Um, which of you would like to address that? Uh, sure, Eric, I'm tell us what happened. Take that. <laughs> um, the, so the League of Women Voters did run an ad holding Scott Brown accountable for the um, for the votes. Um, for the votes that he took that endanger our public health. Um, you know, I think it's an important ad. I think Scott Brown was given a pass in the media here in Massachusetts on a vote where we think most Massachusetts, as Eric cited the poll numbers earlier, that poll is from Mass Inc. and the Barr Foundation. Um, people in Massachusetts stand with public health and they stand with solutions to our global warming problem. Uh, Senator Brown voted against the people of Massachusetts the League of Women Voters held him accountable for that vote, as they have been known to do for decades and decades. And now Senator Brown is hurting from it. He knows that um, you know, he knows that women in Massachusetts are an important constituency for any politician, and he has tried to shift the discussion on this issue from a discussion about his anti-public health votes to a discussion about the politics, which I just think is a, you know, totally unfair and frankly not very productive. Uh, I think there are ways to defend a vote on the substance, and then there are ways to just engage in fairly pitiful ad hominem attacks um, against the people who are working to uh, shine the light on your vote. So, uh, fully support the work of the League of Women Voters, and I know that Environment Massachusetts is going to continue working in the future to get the story out that. Scott Brown's voting record as a U.S. Senator so far is not a pro-environment voting record. Yes, and the, the League of Women Voters ad uh, was also run in Missouri attacking the same language directed to Senator Claire McCaskill, who also voted with Brown on H.R. 1 roll call vote that I just described. So it was most unusual that the Senator Brown, would is, in his editorial response op-ed, would say, you know, legal women voters in gutter partisan politics and trying to turn it into uh, partisanship when, you know, clean environments is not partisanship. Uh, ben, what was your take on all this? 
Um, I'll let Eric speak to it. I just gave a little bit of my take. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely, one thing that you got to keep in mind with Senator Brown is that he has excellent political people. I mean, this is a guy that voted against the McConnell Amendment uh, and took other bunch of bad votes against the environment. And then the next day was up in Massachusetts uh, touring a hybrid factory um, and and getting positive press for doing so. And so it, it's it's incredibly important that, especially when you have someone who, was an ally while a state senator, and not, I mean, not a complete ally, but someone who talked with us and, and was at least reasonable about these issues, and then switches his vote, you'd have to expect that we're going to come after you a little bit. Uh, and and that we're going to, and this, this is not about politics, which uh, the, the senators, uh, staff, and political people have made this about. They, they talk, they've shifted the conversation to where the League of Women Voters is getting their money from, or this is, uh, this is the basing of the group. Uh, and that's not the case. This is this is about holding the senator accountable for taking votes which hurt the children of the uh, of the Commonwealth, and that just can't be stood for. We're not going to sit idly by while while one of the leading leading Republicans who claims to be a moderate and and is, uh, hurts us. We have to have our voice heard, and we have to let people know that these these votes that he is taking is are hurting our children. And uh, and we're definitely going to be, get, fight to get that message out, and hope that he realizes the folly of his ways, and realizes that he uh, should vote on these issues because they're they're too far too important. Yes, it was shocking that in his op-ed response, he comes out saying that the EPA is unaccountable, and that government agencies should be elected instead of as they are. There, there's a strong hierarchy of accountability to them. Uh, just to you know, sidestep all that um, the importance of government regulation. It's as if he doesn't realize that you know we have a five-day work week, we have a minimum wage because that was a government regulation that businesses are reluctant to go into. And then he tells us that businesses are creating jobs, and we know that businesses need to turn a better profit. And you can't report a good profit and create more jobs at the same time. So it's just remarkable how he's taken uh, community health issues and turned it into a profiteer kind of scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah. deregulation works very well in the Gulf with the oil spill uh, and, you know, having stacking it with business people with a mind towards profit. Uh, and it winds up costing taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars by, by, by trying to, to argue that. Uh, I mean, so you can say you can't say you're you're you're, you're pro taxpayer when your when your policies are going to wind up costing taxpayers millions, of, hundreds of millions of dollars down the road. There's, there's work on a bill in the in the Senate now to uh, make coal-fired power plants as clean as the best coal-fired power plants, and to do that, and and the senator uh, hasn't yet come out, but his rhetoric is that he's opposed to that, and yet uh, to oppose it will cost us nine thousand permanent. You know, clean up jobs uh, in the power utilities and 23,000 temporary jobs. Uh, so th- this argument is, is really wrong to say that uh, it's either the environment or jobs because uh, the way you create jobs is through responsible stewardship. Yes, and I mean, and not too long ago, Ceres had actually come out with a report that, uh, that the clean air regulations and that uh, the greenhouse, uh, greenhouse gas regulations actually creates uh, jobs and creates uh, entrepreneurship and creates uh, the small business uh, investment opportunities that our country was founded on. Um, it, it's not listening to you know large multinational corporations with strangle out comp- competition in order to benefit them. It's the creation of, of innovative new ideas. That's what our economy is about, and that's what we should allow with these regulations. Yes. Um, so... I, I, we just have a couple more minutes of your time, Ben and Eric, before you have to go up onto Beacon Hill and get on with the uh, state uh, environmental work. Uh, ben, how can people learn more about the work you're doing? Well, so the um, the best way is just to go straight to our website, which is www.environmentmassachusetts.org. And then also, I'm on this continual quest to get us up to 600 Facebook fans, and um, I'm trying to figure out a good prize for the 600th fan. So if you just go to the Environment Massachusetts page on Facebook and like us, maybe you'll be number 600 and you'll get a prize. 
Yeah. Uh, that's the best way to keep up with us on, uh, you know, just kind of the daily campaigns. Um, you know, the, the ongoing campaigns are on the website, and then some of the daily actions that folks can take are always put up on the Facebook site. Facebook, Mass Envi uh, Environment Massachusetts, and Ben writes will put his voice on your answering machine or something. <laughs> or something. Eric, it's Eric a how voice, can uh, people keep up with uh, MLEV, with Mass League Environmental Voters? Similar ways, uh, you can go to our website, www.mlev.org, uh, where there's links to our Facebook and Twitter, uh, Twitter pages. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We sort of announce state, environment, we announce state environmental news uh, and the like through that. And we also do a pretty good job with our, a very good job with our Facebook page of uh, updating uh, people on what campaigns we're working on, what kind of policy objectives we're working on, uh, and what we're up to up at the State House um, and in general. So uh, Facebook is this MLEV, uh, nonprofit organization, uh, when you search. Uh, and uh, yeah, check out our website. It has a, a treasure trove of information about all your legislators. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Thank you, uh, Eric. i got to interrupt. We're out of time. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with Vanessa Rule after this break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Two views. Different topics. Questions. Answers. News. And advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Living Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
and you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're back. And with me for the second half of this program about how green is brown is Jason Kowalski, who's the policy director with 350.org. Hello, Jason. Hi. Great to be here. Thank you for being with us. Also is Vanessa Rule of the Better Future Project. Hello, Vanessa. Hi, Rob. Uh, how can people learn more about the, your work with the Better Future Project? Well, they can go to the betterfutureproject.org. Uh, this is a new organization that is dedicated to uh, communicating uh, the importance of moving beyond fossil fuels to create a better future uh, for all sorts of reasons, ranging from the climate crisis to national security. Um, and I think we all have a lot to benefit from finding alternative sources of energy. Um, and so... I was really uh, upset to uh, hear about this vote uh, by Scott Brown to gut the Clean Air Act, which I think, um, you know, the federal government being able to regulate greenhouse gas emissions uh, is going to be an important uh, economic incentive to to be able to to um, foster innovation uh, that we really need at this point. Yes, absolutely, and I know we've uh, the Ocean River Institute worked closely with you on the uh, 350 activities last spring and and uh, the writers for climate change and so forth. So it's great to have you back. And you were on an earlier broadcast uh, where we talked about your work in Somerville. So thank you for returning to the show here. And um, this this whole battle about clean air uh, has a personal implications for you, doesn't it? It does. I have an eight-year-old son um, who has asthma, has had asthma uh, pretty much since he, he was born. Um, he was home uh, sick on the day that... Uh, Scott Brown voted to get the Clean Air Act. That was April 7th. Um, and so I take this very personally. I know a lot of uh, families um, who, you know, have spent nights in the emergency room with their kid uh, having to deal with this. And, and so this vote by Scott Brown is really committing us to uh, more of this. Um, I also live in uh, one of the Massachusetts cities, Somerville, that has the highest lung cancer and uh, asthma rates in the country. Wow. So I'm, I'm very I didn't know we were highest. I live there, reality. too. Oh, no. Um, people, cynics will look at this uh, Clean Air Act and say, well, how does carbon pollution affect asthma? Um, but it's, it's more than that, isn't it? Right. Well, so you're talking about uh, burning of fossil fuels, uh, you know, with coal plant. Coal uh, emissions actually kill 251 people in Massachusetts every year. Um, and so, you know, you're talking about um, about uh, burning fossil fuels that make people sick, um, not just with respiratory, but also cardiovascular diseases. Um, as a mother also who uh, breastfed my kids, um, you know, you end up with uh, mercury uh, in the food chain, uh, in breast milk, and in fish uh, in our rivers and streams. Um, yeah, I understand so that one out of eight women have uh, high emissions. mercury levels. Excuse me? I understand that one in eight women in America ha of childbearing age have high mercury levels in their blood. Right, and so this vote would um, would make that worse. Um, you know, if if this regulation were to pass, we're so uh, dependent on the Clean Air Act, and you know, the reason it was passed is because we we had been in trouble, and the air quality has been improving, and so it would really be a huge step backwards for the United States. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to point out is that um, you were talking earlier on the program about uh, Scott Brown's switch from a state senator uh, to. Uh, uh, U.S. Senator in terms of his vote on this, and uh, one, one reason that wasn't mentioned that might explain the switch is that um, fossil fuel industries uh, poured $1.9 million into his campaign. So he uh, 
you know, his vested interest is with big fossil fuel companies, not his constituents. And uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that in Massachusetts. And we need to spread the word that if he gets reelected, it's going to be more of the same. He's going to vote for uh, big, big oil, big coal, um, not to protect um, his constituents. So recently, uh, the we didn't have a chance to cover this with Eric and, and um, Ben, but uh, recently, a uh, the Mass League of Environmental Voters and Environment Massachusetts have come out with a radio ad that is uh, in concert with the League of Women Voters earlier ad, and um, I understand you have a, a, a script there of what the ad is, and perhaps you could tell us about it. Sure. Um, so basically, um, you know, call Scott Brown on exactly what we've been talking about. Um, I can read it if you want uh, in a few minutes. Oh, I do, do want to mention that uh, there is going to be a, uh, a people's rally for uh, healthy air on May 20th, um, which is uh, not this Friday, but next Friday at noon, from noon to one, uh, in front of uh, Senator Brown's district office. That's at 15 Newberry Street in Boston. Um, and we're going to have a lot of uh, parents, families, grandparents uh, standing up and, and saying that he really needs to be putting his constituents before, um, before the fossil fuel uh, industry. Uh, so I hope that uh, your listeners will turn out and spread the word about this. Um, so do you want me to read the ad? Yeah, tell us about the ad, and then we'll talk more about what's the follow. Yes. All right. So it says, Senator, Senator Scott Brown says there's no way in the world he'd do anything to hurt children. But the truth is, his votes to eliminate clean air standards and let polluters spew more toxic pollution into the air would have done exactly that. Senator Scott Brown repeatedly voted to eliminate clean air standards that reduce smokestacks and tailpipe emissions, standards that keep dangerous pollution like arsenic, mercury, and lead out of the air, the air our children breathe. It's breathtaking, literally. 130,000 Massachusetts kids with asthma would have, been even, would have an even harder time catching their breath if Scott Brown gets his way. So we encourage you to call Senator Scott Brown at 617-565-3170 and tell him he should pr be protecting uh, Massachusetts kids and not polluters. Um, and I, I understand that um, this has really hit a nerve uh, for Scott Brown. He's After this ad came out, he uh, went on the offensive and started a group called Defend Our Senator, where he put out uh, his own video defending himself, and um, he's going to be doing a fundraiser uh, on Friday night with a group called Women for Brown um, to raise money to counteract this particular campaign. So um, we know that he knows at some level he didn't do the right thing here, um, and we need to hold him accountable. Vanessa, I think I'm glad you read us that ad, that, that advertisement, and I know that Brown's response is going to be, oh, this is out of state, you know, people driving, you know, out to get him and stuff. And it is clear from your personal stories that this is totally an in-state issue, that the, the, the way you were speaking to us about your son and the way this ad reads is proof that this is an indigenous ad to the concerns of Massachusetts citizens and not uh, some, you know, big national group coming in and swooping in and, yeah, and going after the Yeah, absolutely not. The, I mean, I completely stuff. support I, I was so glad to see that uh, the, the League of Women Voters put out this ad because there's, you know, not, not that many people speaking up for women and health um, and children at this point uh, in the national dialogue. Uh, we're having a lot of problems, and so I'm really grateful for that ad, um, and I think we're going to be building on that message and, you know, on the 20th, uh, show that it's not some outside group that's coming in and, and really angry about this, but it's actually Massachusetts families um, who will not stand for this. Absolutely. And you were telling us about the May 20th rally, and um, I know you have to leave in a few minutes, um, but uh, it's going to involve also 350.org, uh, so maybe you and, and Jason can say a little bit about that um, event. Well, 350.org has been very supportive, uh, but it wasn't initiated by 350.org. It really is um, a grassroots uh, campaign, and I've been talking to you know a lot of parents and a lot of uh, concerned citizens um, who are uh, really uh, who feel strongly that Scott Brown needs to hear um, the message directly from them. And uh, I was on the phone a little bit earlier uh, with a woman uh, who lives in Dorchester. Um, Eleven of her family members have asthma, um, and so she's going to be speaking 
uh, at the rally about her personal experience. And local groups involved, can you name any local groups that we'll, we'll hear from? Um, well, we're reaching out to um, labor groups, um, sustainable business network groups, uh, environmental justice, uh, environmental groups, I mean, the, the, and, and, and health uh, advocacy groups. I mean, the, the thing about this is that it, it cuts across uh, a, lot of, a lot of different stakeholder issues. I mean, there are economic implications and health uh, implications as well as climate. Um, so, you know, even, even though we've gotten a lot of support from uh, organized groups, this is really more about getting uh, the average citizen uh, out to, um, to, to hold Scott Brown to, you know, tough standards about, about health in Massachusetts. This is an old issue. You know, Aaron Brockovich has been working with uh, the Health Watch people up in Salem and Marblehead and Swampskit about the, air, the clean air from those power plants. Yeah, well, and, actually, we are going to have uh, a grandmother who's been working to shut down the Salem Power Plant for 15 years. She's probably going to come with her grandchildren, um, and she's involved with an organization called HealthLink, um, and she's going to be down there uh, next Friday with us. So I hope that your uh, listeners in Massachusetts will join and uh, raise their voice for clean air. Vanessa, thank you for taking the time to talk with us, and I invite people to listen to go to the Better Future Project. Uh, that Vanessa works for. Thank you, Vanessa. Great, thank you. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. All together now, all together now. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. This is the Voice America Green Living Channel. Spread the green. You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're uh, talking about how green brown is. We've been talking about the shift in uh, U.S. Senator Scott Brown's uh, environmental uh, votes from when he was a, a progressive environmentalist as a state senator to uh, one who is against government regulating polluters in any way, anyhow. Um, and with me is um, uh, Jason Kowalski of uh, 350.org. And... Um, 
before I, I turn it over to Jason, I want to uh, announce that uh, one action listeners can take if they're interested is the Ocean River Institute is uh, running a uh, campaign to tell senators to let the EPA regulate mercury emissions from coal-fired power plants, and that if you would like to see more responsible stewardship and no mercury, uh, actually less mercury, coming from coal-fired power plants, uh, please go to uh, oceanriver.org and hit the action um, bar, and you'll see that's one of the actions that you can take in terms of uh, writing appropriate people about that issue. But there's much more at stake here uh, than, than one particular issue like that. And Jason is uh, calling. Jason, are you in Washington, D.C.? I'm in Washington, D.C., yes. Well, thank you for taking time from Capitol Hill to uh, get on the horn with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much. This is uh, really important stuff, and uh, Massachusetts is becoming ground zero for a big fight over the Clean Air Act. So I'm happy to jump on the line. Well, we're looking forward to hearing the national perspective from you. Great. Um, yeah, Rob, as you, as you mentioned, I'm from 350.org. Um, just to clarify, 350 is what scientists call the safe upper limit of carbon in our atmosphere. Um, right now we're at 392, and uh, that's a recipe for climate chaos, and we're looking to cut carbon, move from fossil fuels to renewable sources of energy, and stop climate change. And uh, climate and the Clean Air Act in the U.S. is ground zero well, wait, wait a for second. Let me interrupt stopping a second. climate change internationally so, right now. So this so is very important stuff. 350.org refers to 350 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere, and people say it's an unattainable goal, but the, the, I like the Bill McKibben analogy of it's like the body temperature should be 98.6, and when you're over that, you're still alive, but you're not healthy. And so uh, your efforts are to get us to work toward a more healthy uh, carbon load in the atmosphere, right? Absolutely. And, you know, climate change is complicated, and it's global, but, you know, we think three numbers, three, five, zero, you know, really sum up the kind of vision for a, a sustainable world we want to build. Um, yes. And so a lot of that is, uh, you know, international negotiations, and a lot of that is, you know, coal plant by coal plant, community by community. And, you know, the way we look at it is, you know, we're trying to build a grassroots movement from the bottom up. So we want folks in Somerville and Boston, um, in Concord and Lexington to, you know, really organize around this kind of thing. And, Make sure our elected officials know loud and clear that you know, people want change. Uh, people want to shift from coal to renewable energy, and they don't want their senators voting to gut the Clean Air Act. And it's really about too much carbon, and you don't have to get into the whole discussion about climate change or global warming. As, an ocean, as one who loves the oceans, we're seeing too much carbon going into the ocean and causing ocean acidification. So anything that can be done to reduce the carbon in the atmosphere um, will have a bettering effect, and people can argue about how much and how fast, but the bottom line is the more we can reduce, the more immediate benefits there are. This is really terrific stuff. I'm sorry to pull you off on that, but it's, it's a complication that um, we all want to get behind and stuff. So uh, the Clean Air Act you were telling us. Yeah, well, in the U.S., the story of carbon is the story of coal, right? We've got about 500 old, dirty, you could even call them clunker coal plants. And these things, you know, it's not like Fukushima in Japan where you need a disaster for something bad to happen. I mean, these, these coal plants are killing 13,000 Americans each year. Um, and that's not anything going wrong. That's business as usual. Uh, the business model of a coal plant is to pump as much coal into the plant as possible and burn it as quickly as possible and produce the most power. Um, we need power, but we don't need to get, get it from coal. Um, Massachusetts, in particular, has five old, dirty coal plants. And it's interesting that, you know, a senator like Scott Brown is, is voting against uh, the Clean Air Act because a lot of the pollution that influences Massachusetts is coming from the Midwest. It's coming from Ohio and Indiana. and doesn't affect Massachusetts, you know, economy or, or, you know, jobs figures or anything like that. So, you know, it's really interesting to see uh, a Massachusetts senator, you know, who's downwind of all the nasty coal pollution from the Midwest, you know, sticking his neck out like this when it's a really unpopular thing to be voting against in Massachusetts. Um, you know, it, it polls incredibly well. It existed for 40 years. Um, it's saving a lot more and more lives each year as it gets updated. 
And, you know, to see him buck popular opinion like that is really interesting. And, uh, you know, the way we look at it is, you know, a guy like Scott Brown um, is kind of a, a case study in, in post-Citizens United politics in this country, right? For those of you who aren't familiar, Citizens United was the Supreme Court case that allowed uh, dirty energy front groups and, you know, corporate front groups in general to pump more money into the elections than ever before. Uh, you know, a, a senator who ran uh, last year, like Scott Brown did in the special election, um, got, you know, eight, ten times as much money pumped in um, as a senator who ran in, let's say, 2006. So they're influenced by different factors. And Scott Brown in particular was heavily influenced by front groups and direct contributions um, from energy companies, particularly oil and coal. Um, so when we see votes like this and when we see polling numbers like Massachusetts, you know, a state that really cares about the environment and healthy air in particular, um, you, you can't help but ask, you know, do uh, corporations and their front groups have a bit too much influence over our politics? And we're trying to fight back with, with grassroots force, uh, getting people active in their community and having events like the one that Vanessa Rule talked about earlier on the show coming up next week. Will that be posted on your website? Um, yes, absolutely, 350.org. Um, you know, we, we want to support folks who are active in the community like Vanessa, um, you know, in Massachusetts and all over the world. Um, we're also running a, another experiment in Boston where we're, we sent an email out to our uh, tens of thousands of supporters throughout Massachusetts um, earlier in the week asking folks to chip in to put a few ads up uh, throughout the Boston tea station. Uh, yes. Talking about you know, the contributions that Scott Brown got from dirty energy companies and corporate front groups like the Chamber of Commerce who get most of their money from, you know, just a handful of companies, many of them involved in uh, coal utilities and oil. Uh, so we're really trying to, you know, publicly connect those dots and, and, you know, have a discussion about, you know, how much money is too much money in our elections? And, you know, is it what's actually influencing his decisions? Um, is it his values or is it the $2 million he got from dirty energy companies and their front groups in the last election. Yes, and while I'm sitting here in Harvard Square in Cambridge, uh, this Internet show is uh, international, and so people can go to 350.org to find out what's happening in their community. We're out of time, but I want to thank Eric Blasbow for his support from Mass League of Environmental Voters, Ben Wright from Environment Massachusetts, Vanessa Rule from A Better Future Project, and Jason Kowalski for, from 350.org for closing the show. Thank you, Jason. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Living Channel. We'll talk again then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.